Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Do you believe that? Amen. If you're online, say amen to that or in person. This is great. Thank you for being here today. I want to welcome you to Hallmark. And uh, my name is John. I am uh, blessed uh, to be the pastor here and uh, thankful for you, those of you online, those of you in person. Uh, I want to, uh, we're going to be in Revelation 2, but before you turn there, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and I'll, I'll get there in a minute. And all throughout the New Testament, we see this theme in almost every single book, uh, some more than others, but the idea of don't give up, don't quit, don't ever give up, keep going, keep pursuing uh, Christ, continue in the grace of God. In fact, Jesus said, those who endure will be saved in the end. Paul said, those who endure to the end shall reign with Christ. James wrote in the book of James, persevere to the end so you can receive the crown of life. And even in our text in Revelations, we'll see that same thought. But the entire book of Hebrews talks about this thought, this idea. In fact, that's really the theme is that even though life can be difficult and even though circumstances can be a little chaotic, that we can still persevere. We can be faithful until the end. That's really the theme, even this morning. So when I was thinking about this idea of being um, just kind of this week, I don't know about you, but it felt a little discouraging this week. It seemed like we were moving to whatever new normal means, and then all of a sudden we paused and put the brakes on, and uh, you got, did any of you else feel a little discouraged, just kind of like, what is this setback about? I'm a little frustrated. And so that's kind of the way the church at Smyrna felt. The book of Revelation, the letter we're going to look at is the church of Smyrna. And I, and I think about, my mind goes back to, uh, some of you are aware, some of you aren't, but last summer I had the opportunity to, to go on a hike. And this hike was 250 miles. It was 17 days, 50,000 feet of elevation change. And it wasn't quite what I expected, just to be honest with you. I honestly thought I was going to die out there. I thought I was going to be faithful until my death right there on the mountain. Uh, and I, some of you have seen this video, some of you haven't. But this is a video I took of myself on day 13. I want you to watch this and see if you can sense my desperation in my voice. Hey, it's day 13. Hopefully I'll get to load this this evening when we get two reds. Whew, trying to catch my breath. Look at that view behind me. Hey, if you haven't donated, go to manaworldwide.com. Donate for Feed the Need. Continue to pray for us. Hope you have a great day. I look great, don't I? Hopefully, hopefully you think I look better now, but I'm not even going to ask that question. But when I think about that and watch that video, and it's on my phone, I watch it often and think about that feeling of desperation. That feeling of, I just want to quit. And that night was the easiest opportunity I would have any time on that trip to just call it quits. And I went to bed that night thinking, probably I'm going to call it quits tomorrow morning. And I basically made a deal with the Lord. Anybody ever made a deal with the Lord when you're desperate and said, hey, if you'll just let me sleep, I'll keep going. If I don't sleep, I'm not going to keep going. And guess what? I didn't sleep at all that night. It was miserable. But when I woke up the next day, and I want to read a passage as I ask you to turn to Hebrews 10, verse 23. This is kind of what encouraged me to keep 
going. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And so the author's just saying, let's, let's be confident in our hope. Well, who's our hope or where is our hope? It says without wavering. So keep going. That's the theme for the day. Be faithful until the end. For, we who, for he who promised is faithful. So again, our hope is not really in our ability. Our hope is in Jesus. And so to be faithful, be confident, keep going. Don't give up. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the day approaching, he's talking about, in Revelation 1, we saw over and over, Jesus is the person who was, who is, and what's the third part? Who is to come. That Jesus is going to return for all who believe in him. Jesus is going to rapture the church that where he is, where we may be also. And so he said, this church, this idea, the theme, what we're talking about the last few weeks, and this is week four of the, the idea, the church is essential. And the church is essential, and we read here in Hebrews, the reason the church is essential is because Sometimes I get discouraged and I need you to encourage me. And sometimes you are discouraged and you need me to encourage you. And so the author here in Hebrews says, stir up one another to good works. And so I want to show you the video of day 14, all right, of my hike and see if you can see a difference in my maybe perspective. Hey, it's day 14 today. Stopped at Red Meadow last night. Had a double cheeseburger. Praise God. And then Butch got us a condo. Thank God. All slept good. Had pizza. Had breakfast. And now we're headed out. Long day and a lot of climbing. So what, what was the difference? Other than the double cheeseburger and the pizza and the, and the pancakes the next morning, when I, when I went to bed that night, I uh, had every intention of probably giving up. And when I woke up on day 14, I pulled my phone out. Very rarely do we have phone service, but we did that day. And I looked at that video that you watched from day 13. And on that video of day 13 was the next morning as I woke up, uh, like a hundred comments from you guys as the church saying, hey, we're praying for you. Don't give up. Don't quit. And I had the thought that morning, if, if this many people are praying for me, God is going to get me through. Not that I feel like I have any strength to do that, but God is going to get me through. And, I, and so I want us to think about that idea of the church is essential because we want to encourage one another for good works because the reality is life is difficult and the Christian life, God never promised it was going to be easy. In fact, he promises the exact opposite, that life is going, the Christian life is going to be difficult. Jesus said, don't be surprised when they hate you, because guess what? They hated me first. So Revelation chapter 2, the church, this letter is written to the church of Smyrna. It's a small church in a big city. There's all this persecution going on. The church is being persecuted really from two different fronts. It's being persecuted by the world, those who don't believe in God at all, and they're persecuting this church because they're claiming religion. They're claiming Jesus Christ. They're also being persecuted from the Jewish religious people who don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They were the group that actually, in fact, killed 
Jesus. And so they're being persecuted from both sides. And so this is only uh, one of two of the seven letters that we don't see Jesus saying, you need to do better in this certain area. It's really just a letter of encouragement. At first glance, it doesn't seem very encouraging. So let's read it. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write... All right, so Jesus is telling John to write, these things says, the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Again, Jesus. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Kind of some harsh words there. Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. So the letter here is like, hey, I know it's rough, but guess what? It's going to get worse. And then it says, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And last week, as we pointed out, this verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, is, is in every single one of these letters. And like we did last week, I want those of you who are online to just type, to make a decision right now in this moment, I'm going to listen to what God says to me in the next few minutes. So just type out, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, just put these words, God, I'm listening. For those of us in the room, just like we did last week, I want to encourage you to say that out loud. And as we say this out loud, that it's not just words you're speaking, that you are really speaking to the Lord. God, in this moment, I want to hear from you. All right? So on the count of three, let's say, God, I'm listening. Ready? One, two, three. God, I'm listening. God, I ask in this moment, for those of us, Lord, listening to you, that you would speak directly into our heart. Lord, we're not here by accident. You have something for us today. You, you want to speak to us through your word today, and so I pray that we would be listening and that we would respond. Amen. So these four verses of Scripture, verses 8 through 11, can really be summarized with four words. You've probably caught on that I've said them a few times already. Be faithful until death. Be faithful until death death. And again, as I mentioned, there's persecution in a city, and Jesus says, I know you've been persecuted, and guess what? It's going to get worse. Thank you, Jesus, right? It's going to get worse. When we uh, went on this hike, my anticipation was that I was going to have this great, like, kumbaya, campfire moment every single night, it was far from that. And I was just trying to survive. And I, I, I just was anticipating God was going to reveal all these great things. And it was just going to be this most spiritual 17 days of my life. And the only thing I really, as I came back from this hike, felt God was telling me was something I didn't really want to hear. It sounds fairly sim similar to what the church here is saying. I know it's been tough, but guess what? It's going to get harder. And I remember coming home to my wife, Joy, and, I, and, and telling her, um, I have some bad news. This is what I feel like God told me. I'm like, this is what the only thing I really came out of the hike thinking is that God is wanting to prepare me that, that life in ministry, that serving him is going to be even more difficult moving forward. 
And so I basically gave her a chance to exit. Like, if we want to get off the train, let's do it now. And I asked her, are are you committed to this? We've been together in ministry for over 20 years, and I feel like God is saying, it's been tough, but it's only going to get tougher. And so I I gave her an out, and she said, no, I'm in. Be faithful until death. About six or eight weeks ago, as we were uh, just going out for a walk, and um, as that time in, in the season of churches, I've never experienced that before. I didn't take the class on how to lead a church through a pandemic. They forgot to teach me that in college. But we couldn't even meet together, and it was very frustrating for me. I know it was very frustrating for you, and so we're having this conversation, and it's like life, it just seems so frustrating. It seems so hard, and I said to Joy, well, remember the hike. She said, I didn't go on that stupid hike. I, I said, but remember what I said when I got back. And we kind of signed the dotted line again that we were in, even though it was going to be tough. We were faithful until death. Here's what Josh Smith says about this letter and the faithfulness. It says, the more confident you are in who Christ is, the more courageous you will walk with him. The more you know who Christ is, the more confident you can be to just trust him. And I think we're in that season again where, where like the church at Smyrna, Jesus is writing and saying, listen, I know it's tough. And oh, by the way, it's going to get tougher, but be faithful until death. And this passage of scripture, this letter reminds me of that passage in Matthew chapter 7 where there's the comparison between the, the wise man and the foolish man. Remember, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And remember this, you guys remember the song? How many of you know the song? A lot of people in, in the first church didn't, first service didn't know this. You know, like the rains came down and the, and the house on the sand went. Yeah, some of you guys grew up in kids' church, you know the song. And, and yet the wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood fir- firm or fast, strong. You remember the old song, On Christ the solid rock I stand? All other ground is what? Sinking sand. My foundation, my faith, my confidence is not in my ability. It's not in my circumstance. It's not even in my church. It's in Christ. So the big idea this morning is very simple. It doesn't sound simple, but it is. Our internal confidence must be strong enough to withstand external circumstances. In other words, the confidence I have that Christ is in me and that Christ is enough Do you believe that Christ is bigger than your problems? And so we have to ask the question, what is my hope built on? Is it on my circumstances? Is it on the fact that I don't have to wear a mask anymore or whatever? My hope is not in that mask or the lack of the mask. My hope is in in Jesus. My hope is built on Jesus Christ. It's on his righteousness. But we have to understand when we think about Okay, life is going to be tough, and the Christian life is, is going to be a season of maybe even uh, more burdens, more struggle, more temptation, more struggling. Understand this. As believers, we do not drift into discipleship. Another way to say this, we don't stumble into sanctification like it doesn't just happen. 
We must, like we said last week, talking about the church at Ephesus who had lost their first love, we must passionately pursue the presence of Jesus. So, three things I want to point out in this text. Three areas of confidence. If we're going to be confident internally because Christ is in us, we can face, we can overcome those external circumstances. The first is this. Be confident because Jesus is in control. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is over all things. It says in verse 8, he is the first and the last. This doesn't speak just to time because he was the creator. He was first. It also speaks to rank, that he is preeminent. We read that in Colossians a few weeks ago. Paul said in Ephesians that God gave to him, Christ, to be the head of the church, that he is over all things. Jesus himself in Matthew 28 said, all authority is given to me both in heaven and in earth. And so if Jesus is first, not only in time but in rank, then we as followers of Jesus must wrestle with the question, is he first in my life? He is in fact in control and we can be confident of that, but how easy it is for us to take back control. Is he first in my life? in my life. Not only is he first, it says he's last. That means he's going to be the last one standing. We're going to talk about that a little more, but he is the risen Savior. He is the King of Kings. As we read in the first chapter, he is the person who was, who is, and is to come. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the first and last. In verse 8, it says, he who was dead is now what? Alive. And because he lives, I also can live. Jesus is in control. Verse 9 says, I know your tribulation and poverty. God is aware. God knows. In verse number 10, it says, you're about to get thrown into prison. Thanks, right? It's tough, I know, but it's going to get tougher. And in fact, you're going to get thrown into prison. But what it does point out to the reality is that Jesus is in control. And Jesus knew what was about to come. 11 months ago when I got back from the hike and Jesus said, it's going to be more difficult. Guess what? Jesus knew what was coming even though I didn't know. He knows what is coming. He even put a time here, 10 days. We don't know if that is a literal 10 days, but it does signify that Jesus knew the length of time it was going to last. Don't you wish sometimes he would just tell us what's coming and how long it's going to last? But he also says in verse 10 that he shows his authority, his control, and his sovereignty because... He said, this is done that you may be tested. There was a purpose in the persecution. There was a purpose in the problems. That even in a season of testing, Jesus is growing our faith. He is, as Peter said in 1 Peter 5.10, but may the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. There is purpose in the persecution. There's promise in the problems. So, is Christ first in your life? Three areas of confidence. Be confident because Jesus is in control. The second one, be confident because Jesus cares. We serve a God who's close to us. The psalmist said he is close to those who are broken, those who are crushed. He's an ever-present help in time 
of trouble. And so verse 9, he says, I know your struggle. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. And the aspect here is goes beyond just a knowledge. It's not that Jesus just knows, but it also that, Je- that Jesus cares. He understands. He doesn't just know that you have a struggle. He understands what your struggle is. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was thrown on the cross. Guilty, they said. In fact, he was innocent. Jesus was betrayed by one of his close friends. Jesus cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, as the Hebrew says, was tempted in all points like we were, but he was without sin. We have a high priest, Jesus, who can not only sympathize with us, but empathize with us. Jesus cares. He doesn't just know, but he cares. Be confident that he cares for you. I love this verse in Zephaniah 3. We read this last week. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst. It reminds me in Revelation chapter 1, the vision that John had. Remember what John said? There were the seven candlesticks, and the seven candlesticks represent the seven churches which he's now writing the seven letters to, and they were uh, lit with the glory of God, and it's the responsibility of our church, all churches, to display the glory of God. And remember this, the, the scene, the seven candlesticks, and who was in the midst of the seven candlesticks? Jesus. He was there with them. It says here in Zephaniah three seventeen, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I'm glad that God is not distant from us. That he knows, he cares, and he understands. We can be confident Jesus is in control. We can be confident Jesus cares. And number three, we can be confident because Jesus is the champion. Aren't you glad Jesus is alive? Aren't you glad that he had uh, the power over death, hell, and the grave? It says he's the first and the last. He was the one who was dead, who now is alive. And in verse 10 it says, If we will endure, if we'll be faithful until the end, we will receive the crown of life. And because Jesus wins, guess what? We win also. Because Jesus is alive, guess what? We also can live. This crown is the victor's crown. And the reason we win is because Jesus wins. Look what it says in verse number 11. There's an important part I want to point out here. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He shall not be hurt by the second death. What what does that mean? What is Jesus saying here? What is the second death? The second death here really is the reference to eternal judgment. And the Bible says that if we have not been born again, that we will experience the second death. The second death is that we will spend an eternity in a place called hell, paying for our sins. And so Jesus is saying here through John that if you have given your life to Jesus, you will not be hurt by the second death. Ben earlier mentioned in John chapter 16, and Jesus was in the upper room, and he's talking to the disciples, says, uh, you know, don't lose heart. 
because I've overcome the world. And the beginning of that conversation, it actually begins in John chapter 14. And what Jesus said as he's preparing them for his departure, for his death and his ascension, he says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, you believe also in God. And if you believe in me, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back that where I am, you may be with me also. And so it's referencing here that if we give our life to Jesus, we won't experience the second death. Here's a way that I've heard it. If you have been born twice, you will only die once. If you've only been born once, you will die twice. Let me explain that a little more. Most of us could probably quote to some degree John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, who believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? We could quote that to some degree. But what's the context? In John chapter 3, the beginning of the chapter, there's a religious man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because, remember, the religious people hate Jesus. But Nicodemus is beginning to think, maybe Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe Jesus is the Messiah, the one we've been looking for. And so he has a conversation with Jesus in the middle of the night, and Jesus told him in, in verse number three, unless one is born again, here's this idea of being a spiritual birth, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So a question that all of you need to answer this morning is, have you been born again? What does it mean to be born again? Well, it's the verse I already quoted, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but, but have everlasting life. In other words, they will not be hurt by the second death. If you're born twice, uh, you will only die once. John 3, verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send his Son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Another word we could use is born again. So again, the question that you need to answer this morning, have you been born again? I grew up in church my entire life, but it wasn't until I was 17 years old. I was at youth camp and I made a decision that I must be born again. So my spiritual birth date is June 1991. And if you don't have a spiritual birth date, could I encourage you that today could be your spiritual birthday? Today you could be born again? It's very simple. There's three really simple steps. The first is, Admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says that the, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have done wrong. That's pretty easy to admit. Admit you're a sinner. The second step is to believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. Romans says that God demonstrated his love for you, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And John 3.16, which we have quoted multiple times, says that if we believe we will not experience a second death. We will have everlasting life. So I need to admit that I'm a sinner. I need to believe that Jesus died in my place. And then the third step is I'm gonna confess. 
confess that Jesus is Lord. Romans says that if we will believe in our heart and we will confess with our mouth that Jesus, in fact, is Lord, we can be saved. We can be born again. So, this promise in Revelation, be faithful until the end, you will receive the crown of life, you will not be hurt by the second death, is a promise to those who've been born again. So again, the question, have you been born again? And if you would like to do that today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I've got great news for you. You can do it right now. You can do it right now if you're online, sitting on your couch. You can do it right here in person today. And this is how I'm going to just lead you through a prayer. And it's not you talking to me. It's not you talking uh, to the person next to you. It's you talking to the Lord. It's just you doing those three things I've just walked you through, admitting, believing, and confessing. So in this moment, if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you would like to be born again and receive all these promises, right now, would you do that? Just repeat after me right where you're at. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. And I ask you to save me. If you prayed that prayer this morning, can I just say, welcome to the family of God. That you have now, who Ephesians says you were far off, have been brought near. You were an orphan. You've been adopted into the family of God. You have been born again. And the promises here, those who have been born again, is that they will not be hurt by the second death, that you have everlasting life. And, and if, you, if you prayed that prayer, whether you're here in person, whether you're online, can I just encourage you to, to text the word SAVED to the number on the screen? Because we want to celebrate that with you. We also want to give you some more information about how you can grow in your faith with Jesus. But we want, most importantly, we want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. God is good, isn't he? All the time. Now, for those of you that may be similar to my story, it's been a long time ago since I've been born again. And as I've already been a little transparent with you, this past week I've been a little discouraged. Maybe I've lost faith, lost hearts. Can we just make a decision as individuals, as a church, that we're going to be confident that Jesus is in control, that Jesus cares, and that Jesus, in fact, is the champion. And because he lives, we also will live. Amen. Jesus, the person who was, who is, and the third one, who is to come. Aren't you looking to see Jesus again? And, and the hope that we have, the confidence we have in Christ would lead us as a church, as individuals, to be faithful until death. I want to ask the band if they'd come up. And, and the song that we're about to sing this morning, for some of you, will be very familiar.
It's kind of a mashup song between a new song and an old song. We've already referenced this song, but I want to read the lyrics for you this morning. And here's the words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? If there's somebody this morning that would say, John, I'm going to be transparent with you today. Like you, this week, there's kind of been some moments, maybe even right now, that I've kind of lost faith. I've lost hope. And I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me, to, to, to give me confidence in who he is. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up right now? Just admitting, yeah, if I'm going to be really transparent, there's been some moments this week where I've kind of been disheartened. I've, I've lost hope. I've lost faith. And I want to I want to pray for you. God, as, as you see those online who have, Lord, also struggled, th- those in the room who have their hand raised, and Lord, there's just moments this week where we've lost hope, lost faith, that, Lord, we would look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we would make the statement that in Christ alone, that Christ is enough, that our hope is built on nothing else, nothing less but Jesus himself. Lord, that you would allow us together to worship the risen Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.